Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 145 of the Australian Hiker podcast. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about when you can't hike. Now, as we record this podcast episode, it's early 2020, and Australia's had a hell of a start to the year. Firstly, we had a summer full of bushfires that have impacted much of the country, destroying large sections of bushland that we as hikers spend so much time in. Um, And if that wasn't enough, uh, as we uh, have the opportunity to return to the bush, uh, we're presented with a another um, uh, issue, and that's coronavirus, and with it, the ability to access many of our walks has again been curtailed, but for a, a very different reason. Um, we're finding now that uh, uh, the rules and regulations are starting to vary in each of the states, and in some states you're very locked down, in others it's not so much. Except we're not using the lockdown word, Tim. We're not. (laughs) Now, while these big events will greatly impact on our ability to get out and hike, they are not the norm. There are many other more mundane reasons within our day-to-day lives that prevent us from hiking. Things such as environmental conditions, extreme cold, extreme heat, heavy rains, and then there's personal stuff like illness, injury, or even something as simple as you just don't have the time. So when you find yourself unable to hike, what can you do to keep yourself engaged with the outdoors? And that's what we're going to be talking about in today's podcast. We hope you enjoy. Now, the first thing we're going to look at uh, for when we can't get out and hike is living vicariously through others by exploring online. And there's probably two things that I'd be focusing on here. One is uh, the internet, and and there is a limitless number of websites, both local and overseas, uh, that will provide days and days and days and of, weeks and <laughs> months and <laughs> of of reading uh, and researching uh, and trail reviews and, and track reviews and gear reviews. There's just so much there for you to go through and read and access. For me, I am a bit of an information freak. I love uh, doing the research just as much as I love doing the hiking. So it's a good opportunity when I can't get out uh, to actually go through and do that research. Yeah, I enjoy the pictures rather than the words. And, um, you know, all sorts of different websites. Uh, The national parks, their websites are still there. The images are just stunning. You know, it's just great to wander through from you know one page to another looking at all of the wonderful things that you could discover um, could experience uh, if you were able in addition to the visual there's also the uh, auditory and here we're talking about podcasts Uh, they've just gone through and released the figures uh, for the last 12 months uh, for podcasting uh, and we now have over 900,000 podcasts worldwide on any topic you can think about Uh, and obviously we want to focus on uh, hiking here in the outdoors but anything you can think of any hop any topic it exists 
So it's That's a, amazing, isn't it? It is. So it's a chance to live vicariously uh, and listen to uh, hiking and hiking-related topics. Um, and, and also the experience of others and, you know, some of the interviews that we do are about what others are experiencing and what they're seeing and how they're feeling um, ab- about the hiking that they're doing. So, you know, the, there's lots of opportunity to get some insight and get some e- exposure. And obviously we would like you to listen to the Australian Hiker Podcast. <laughs> Which um, you are. But, um, having, Presumably you yeah, are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But having said that, though, um, you know, if you are interested in doing some of the long trails in the United States, the Appalachian Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail, there is a lot of podcasts that deal with those. Um, and the same with the European trails as well. So if you're thinking about doing those trails or you're just interested in hearing about some of the information that's available, podcasts are a good option. Uh, and I know that not everyone likes to read. Some people like to listen. Some people like to do both. I just like to look at the pictures. Yeah, yeah. So you've got the option whichever way you want to go there. So the next thing we're going to look at is planning your next ad- adventure. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into working out where you want to go, how you want to get there, what kind of sequence that you uh, want to do, uh, a particular hike, what you need, uh, what can you get on the way, um, you know, how you're going to get back. Um, Lots and lots and lots of details. And, you know, sure, you can just wing it and turn up and see what happens. Um, and if you've got a little bit of social distancing going on, it's a great time to work out in a little bit more detail um, what happens next. And when you can get out and explore the outdoors, be prepared and have your plan in place. Um, I know that Tim is uh, having to reschedule all of his detailed plans for 2020. Um, he's pushed a whole bunch of things out. Um But that doesn't stop uh, us from working out what's next when we're able to get out there. Certainly from my perspective, I I try and do a a big hike each year, a multi-week hike. Uh, And this year for me, as opposed to to, for us, um, my plan is to do the Australian Alps walking track from uh, Victoria through to the outskirts of Canberra. Is, was, is, was. Still is, and and I'm working on the basis that we will be able to go through and do that and the the whole social isolation and social distancing will have gone by uh, November. Uh, It's it's March now, so I'm hoping everything's sorted (laughs) by then. But But I'm working on the basis that that's the case. And I will spend probably... Um, three weeks solid planning a trip like that, so almost as long as the hike itself, you know, as far as where I'm travelling distance-wise, where I'm staying at night, um, food, all sorts of logistical stuff. Uh, and I love doing the planning side of things, and it keeps me keeps me busy just as much as, as the hikes themselves. Uh, and, and it gives me something to look forward to and to plan towards. Yeah, and just on that, um, uh, we've seen on social media a few people saying that, you know, they go to particular uh, areas and um, there's there's rarely or very few people there and so on. And, uh, and then we hear of other stories where a particular hike is now really, really busy because of the uh, limited opportunities that people might have. So we're not saying don't get outdoors, but... Um, but we are saying for now you need to be really selective um, and 
be really mindful of the need for the social distancing. So, you know, it is a very real thing. Um, but we're also talking about any other time uh, when there's just some barriers for you to be getting out and what you can do instead. From there, um, the next thing we're going to look at is reviewing and then maintaining your equipment. And I think this is one of these sort of things that not everyone does well. Um, I think people will buy equipment. Um, they finish using it. They put it away after a hike. Uh, and they next time they get it out of the cupboard is when they're about to go for their next type and they grab it all out, they put it in their pack and off they go. And wonder why their sleeping mat doesn't maintain its uh, fill. <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> you end up sleeping on the ground because all the air has gone. <laughs> so I, I think that the, the thing I'd look at here with equipment is um, I'd be – at least once a year, scheduling in you know a, a half a day or, or a day, depending on how much gear you've got, and getting it all out, um, making sure there's no holes in it, um, something hasn't torn, a strap's about to fall apart, um, or you know your shoelaces are worn on your favourite pair of shoes. Um, I can't remember the last time I ever replaced a shoelace on a pair of my hiking hiking shoes or boots. I normally wear them out before the laces get anywhere near that. But I have had a pair of boots in the past that have lasted me eight or nine years. Uh, and you'd think at that sort of stage, the laces are probably going to start wearing and will need replacing. Well, I think the interesting thing is that the even if you haven't worn a pair of uh, shoes or boots a lot, they do deteriorate even in the cupboard. So, you know, it's... Um, a hard thing to get your head around, but uh, the glues and the rubbers and all of those sorts of things do do break down. Um, and when we were doing the Lara Pinta Trail, we did come across a few people who had a few sort of uh, boot malfunctions. Let me just uh, mention it or, or reference it that way, uh, where you know suddenly a pair of laces looking fine. Uh, were no longer to be, you know, long enough to lace their boots. So it can happen. Yeah, it's always good when you see people particularly wearing boots and they've got um, a, a shoelace that are, that's only about six inches long uh, and it's, you know, it's tied through the top couple of holes in the top of the, the footwear <laughs> yeah. because there's not enough length to tie it the full length. So, you know, that's probably a good example there. And, and as Jill mentioned, things like sleeping mats. Um, you know, if you if you had a slow leak in your sleeping mat and think, oh, yeah, I must deal with that, and you put it in the cupboard and six months later you get it out again and, and you go hiking and think, oh, yeah, I, I forgot about that. So it's worthwhile doing this as a, as a thing that you schedule in on a regular basis. But certainly, you know, if the weather's bad or for whatever reason you can't get outside, it's a good opportunity to go through and, and check to make sure things are all okay. In terms of your wet weather gear, uh, before Tim and I did the Human Hovel Trail last year, um, I pulled out the wet weather gear and, and thought, oh, well, I'll just uh, re-waterproof a couple of items. And um, I ended up doing the whole lot. So I did jackets and pants and uh, the, the fly for the tent and the ground sheet and you know, just about everything I could get my hands on. And um, I was really, really pleased that I did. Probably thought it would have been okay, um, but certainly in retrospect it was the absolute best thing to do. 
Now, apart from repair and maintenance of gear, I'd also be looking at whether gear is is what you actually need. Uh, I think for, for people that might only hike once or twice a year, um, they may find that their pack is now 12 or 15 years old um, and it's perfect, in perfectly good condition, uh, but it's a lot heavier than the more modern day packs. Uh, or they, um, they decide they need uh, a better quality tent or a different sleeping bag. Uh, and it's worthwhile looking at the gear you've got. Um, there's nothing saying you have to go through and replace it just because it happens to be a bit heavier or a bit older. But, but look and see if it's really what you need and whether it is time to replace, even though it might be in good condition. In a similar sort of vein, reviewing and maintaining your first aid gear. And this is probably one of the biggest oversights that not just hikers, but probably people in general make. I think most of us will have a first aid uh, uh, kit at home. Uh, many of us will have a first aid kit in the car. And if we're hikers, we typically will carry a at least a basic amount of first aid gear. Um, but for a lot of people, it might be a matter of, okay, you've got painkillers or you've got um, uh, laxatives or something like that uh, and they sit in your first aid gear for two, three, four, five, six years and all of a sudden you think, oh, that, you know, the use-by date was three years ago. Um, so you know, it's worthwhile, again, doing an annual check on your first aid gear, making sure the use-by dates on things like painkillers haven't gone. Uh, if you've got um, protective gloves, latex gloves, latex, once it's exposed to air, doesn't tend to last very long. So, you know, if you've got a, a small hole in a, in a, a, a bag that's got latex gloves in it, you find all of a sudden they're tacky and it'll tear as soon as you uh, try and put it on. Bandages are designed to do a couple of things. One is to uh, protect a wound or, or to minimise bleeding, but, I mean, it's also a way of preventing infections. So if you've got a, a an open bandage that's not in a pack um, and it's uh, uh, they might be a bit dirty, uh, although they look good, it might, be, might well be time to replace them. Uh, and, I, and I must admit, you know, the photo I've got in the written version of this article shows just that. My roller bandages and my compression bandages uh, are open uh, and they have been like that for a number of years. So it's probably probably time to go through and replace them. Yeah, um, I think one of the things that happens with the first aid kit is that you tend to steal things out of it. <laughs> so over time you go, oh, I know, you know, there's a pair of tweezers there or there's a bit of this or a bit of that. And uh, it, it gets thinner and flatter. Um, and other than needing, I think, something for probably a completely different purpose, we rarely open the first aid kit and uh, inspect what's actually there. So, you know, you probably find that there are a few things missing along the way and you'll wonder where they went. <laughs> so it is a good idea to check it out. From there, we move on to looking at opportunities uh, to, to improve your knowledge. Uh, and certainly, we try and, and put a number of articles out there to help people uh, in, in improving their knowledge and their skills. There are plenty of mechanisms uh, and ways to help improve your knowledge. So we just talked about first aid gear, but when was the last time you actually updated your first aid skills and knowledge? Um, you do a first aid course, uh, you get given a book, uh, I think most people will read the book when they do the first aid course. It gets put in the cupboard or on the bookshelf and you never read it again. 
So if it's been a while um, and you haven't done a refresher uh, and you may not have time to do a refresher, it might be worthwhile getting out the first aid book, looking at the skills and, and seeing if you remember what to do in case of a snake bite, what to do in case of uh, a twisted ankle, all those sort of things. You could have a bit of fun and torture some of your friends and family as well Yeah, along the way. Um, there's also opportunities like some of the uh, outdoor magazines. Again, uh, apart from living vicariously, which we talked about earlier, uh, it's a good opportunity uh, where you've got uh, articles and uh, um uh, information on new gear to the market or um, you've got skills that are being discussed and talked about. And I've given an example of uh, a couple of um, Australian magazines in the written version of this podcast, but it's actually quite a good thing to look at overseas magazines as well. So looking at magazines, particularly out of the US, um, the magazines out of the UK are also very good. Um, and, and Europe in, in general, uh, but they tend to be a bit more expensive. Um, but having said that, they all do things slightly differently and giving an opportunity to, uh, to learn skills in a different way um, with a different emphasis depending on which country they've come from. So the other thing you can do or another thing that you can do is uh, watch movies and read books about the outdoors. And uh, we've reviewed a lot of movies and a lot of books um, that uh, share people's experiences and their journeys and uh, mostly based on, you know, true stories and and so on. But um, there are just a, a vast range available and some really, really, really interesting ones. So, you know, if you've got a few hours to spare uh, to watch a movie, if you're an avid reader, um, lots of novels around about the outdoors. I think one of the things I like about the, the books and the movies, again, it's the sort of thing that, you know, if you're stuck at home because you're not feeling well or the weather's bad, you can still be involved with hiking. Um, it's a, Some of the, the, the movies in particular and the books can be very inspirational um, and I'll give an example through here. I know the Camino Santiago in uh, um, in Europe, in France and Spain. Uh, I know of it. I had no intention of ever really putting it on my hiking list, or if it is, it was well and truly down my hiking list. Um, but after reading a book called Million Steps, which we reviewed a couple of months ago, um, it's enthused me to want to go through and do this hike. So it's now been added to my hiking list in the next few years. Um, very different sort of the, to the sort of hiking I typically like doing. Uh, I don't mind actually being alone and spending time by myself in nature. And certainly if you hike the Camino, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's not happen. <laughs> um, and, and the funny thing is because when I read that book, I just thought, uh, you know, I, the whole idea of hiking the Camino, and I know that there are lots of different versions of it, but um, the whole idea was was quite exciting to me until I read the book. And now I'm thinking, oh, I'm not so sure. Uh, so so Tim's, Tim's a thumbs up and I'm, an, I'm not so sure now. But you're not a fan of sleeping in dormitories with lots oh, of snoring oh, people. Oh, God, no. One is enough. One is enough. <laughs> So again, there's plenty of movies and books out there uh, and we've done a, a review of quite a number of them and we still have a long way to go. So have a look at some of those as, as a good option. 
Now, if you're not hiking from lack of time as opposed to an illness or for any other reason, um, it's a good opportunity to at least get out there for even if it's just a short period. So exercise tends to be a habit. Um, and if you wake up in the morning and say, look, I just don't feel like going for a hike today or going, don't feel like going for a walk today, get up and walk, even if it's for 10 or 15 minutes, because it's the habit of getting out and about. Um, I am a fairly early riser. Um, and it's not unusual for me to walk up my local mountain at five o'clock in the morning. Um, uh, and particularly as we're getting in towards the cooler months of the year, I start the walk in pitch black, I finish in pitch black, and I do actually wear a head torch for some of the uh, the sections because the trail I walk on is, is actually quite uh, rough and can be a bit treacherous if it was in the middle of the night. So, um, so five o'clock in the morning is not in the uh, middle of the night. It's it's pitch black, so that, that counts. Um, and you know, it's an opportunity for me to do a roughly four kilometer walk. Um, I, in most cases, might only see one or two other people. Uh, there's a batch of regulars that do the walk at that time in the morning that I do. Um, whereas you try and do the same walk in the middle of the day and there are dozens, if not hundreds, of people trying to do it. So I, I, I do like night hiking. Uh, and even if I don't do that, uh, it's not unusual for me. If I don't feel like walking or don't have the time, I'd rather get out there and do 10 minutes or even 15 minutes. And even wearing a pack to do a bit of pack training um, is a good opportunity as well. Yeah, I think, you know, you you do what you can do um, and walking around the suburb um, instead of driving to the shop, walking down to the shop, you know, all of those sorts of things just to get out and get some fresh air and um, get a bit of exercise. And as you say, Tim, um, put your pack on that's a bit weighted and, uh, you know, get a bit of training as well. And the last one we're going to look at is if all else fails, just bore your family and friends with all your great experiences that you've had out in the bush. And, uh, you know, there's nothing like reliving little stories and, uh, uh, you know, telling others about your experiences. And mostly they'll be interested. Um, if they're not, that's just bad luck because they can't escape you anyway. Um, just, you know, your enthusiasm and, uh, y- you know, the, the, the difference of what you've experienced will be enough to keep them interested. And I think the thing that older people would remember was slideshows. <laughs> <laughs> no, not the slideshow. Uh, when, you know, the, the, the favourite uncle drags out 300 <laughs> slides uh, of, of their, their two-day walk we, uh, uh, down, down, down the road. Um, we had a friend who, who did a few, uh, few trips to Antarctica and a few, um, uh, spent a few months each time and, yes, when we – Went over to his place for a slideshow. It was hundreds of slides, really, really interesting stuff. But gee, you know, how, how many glaciers can you see in one night? I don't know. <laughs> and I must admit, I, I had a, a bit of a hobby a few years ago. I had a, a friend that had some very obvious tells uh, in relation to he's just about to stand up and leave. And, and I recognise what these were. 
and my hobby was how long can I keep him here and keep him talking and I managed to keep him for six hours at one stage. No, no. I mean, that just means he's so polite and you're so rude. That just that. That's just what that says. All right. So now for, for one reason or the other, as we said, there will be times when you just can't get out and hike. Uh, and sometimes it will be by choice and other times it will be for reasons outside your control. Uh, so when this does happen, look for opportunities to keep the hiking dream alive and before you know it, you'll be back on the trail again. Well, one of the things that we didn't mention was just trawl the online stores. I mean, you know, what a great pastime that is, is, you know, that's kind of the modern version of window shopping, isn't it? It is. And, you know, and for me, I, I'm, I'm definitely a bit of a gear freak here. Um, I know um, uh, about four years, four and a half years ago when I was looking for a new tent, I spent three months looking at a number <laughs> yes, of outdoor stores <laughs> uh, to try and narrow the tent range down, um, and I and I certainly did that and ended up picking in the tent that uh, uh, that I bought at the time. But um, yeah, it, it's it, it was. I tend to be a bit of an an over uh, an over researcher and, th- and things like that, which is good for everybody who's listening because I do all the research for you. <laughs> yeah. And still, you don't have to buy. I mean, that's the thing, though. I mean, um, if you can't get out, um, but you've, you know, got an internet connection, um, you can just explore. Okay, it's been a while, but um, it's time again to do the five star uh, podcast reviews. Um, and uh, as I said, we it, it has been a while, so we thought we'd just update uh, with a few uh, uh, of the more recent ones. We've got one from Blueberry Brad, uh, and he says, I'm assuming it's he, thank you, Tim and Jill, for a fantastic podcast, well-researched, fun, informative, and local content. Thank you, and see you on the track. Another one, Peter from here. This is a great podcast, one of my favourites. It's very well researched. Great balance between the two presenters. I love how Tim wants to be overly precise with distance, walking speeds, etc. To be more quickly followed up by a whimsical comment from Jill (laughs) that reminds us that the bush doesn't always allow for such precision. For me, this balance really makes this a high-quality podcast. Yeah, I'm really not sure what to say about that one. And this is from Matt85-2011. Uh, we'll spend a bit of time trying to work out what that uh, those numbers mean. I think we can all guess. Um, a really enjoyable podcast. This is definitely a great pod- podcast for hikers, full of great and well-researched information that caters to all abilities. What's a standout is the host's clear passion for hiking. It shines through each episode. Okay, so if you want to hear your review of the Australian Hiker podcast read out, um, we'd really appreciate it if you'd give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Apple Podcast, on Podbean, whatever uh, mechanism you listen to the Australian Hiker podcast. Uh, it helps get the message out there. And we really could not have written them any better if we'd tried, but thank you very much. <laughs> Okay, one final comment before we finish off this podcast. Um, 
all my well-laid plans for 2020, uh, particularly in relation to podcast episodes, have um, basically been thrown out the window. Uh, So I'm having to do a bit of scrambling as far as uh, interviews and topics. Uh, As I said, I had very well set out series of hike reviews and everything else. So I'm now having to reassess how things are going. So the uh, podcasts will still be occurring at least every two weeks, uh, but the topics uh, will pretty much be on a an episode by episode, uh, except when I know what's coming up. Uh, so I'm hoping to have an interview for you in two weeks' time uh, of a hike or a couple of hikes uh, that people have done in, the, in previous years. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me.